Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, we give you a full recap of OU's beatdown of Western Carolina in the National College Football Roundup. We recap Oregon's win over Ohio State and Iowa State losing to Iowa again. To finish up, we give you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's beautiful Monday, September 13th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games, with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in September from 6 p.m. to midnight, you could win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play in Riverwind's $80,000 Blitz and Bucks promotions. Drawings are every 30 minutes. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Now we're recording this on Sunday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you are at it. We've hey, we've been getting a lot of nice comments lately, Ted. The Appreciate people have that. Been, they've they've been we've been asking for them and they've been giving them to us. But awesome. Sometimes we're we're just let's just get straight into the OU stuff, right? Sometimes. It's best for the podcast when the team struggles, <laughs> right? Like I, I think I had a lot of people, including a couple of the directors of the pride of Oklahoma, tell me that they listened to the podcast and they told me they're trying to get the band to listen to the podcast, Ted. So we're, we're just, we're hitting the OU football from all angles. So any members of the pride, welcome, welcome. Thanks for listening. Yeah, hey. If you're going to be there at the game playing in the band, playing the music for the game, you've got to stay up to date with what's going on with the football team, right? It just makes perfect sense. That does make perfect sense. But the, the game on Saturday lacked drama, 
right? Last week, we came and did the recap podcast, and we were fair but critical, rather critical, so critical that some players may have said a thing or two me on the sideline <laughs> about it. I was wondering about that. Okay, uh, so this was a first. It was a first, and I listen, I don't name names on here, but I will say a certain starter for Oklahoma came up to me and said, I listened to what you said on your podcast, and you were exactly right. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Cool. Yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I know I'm right. Where Where was your mind whenever he said, "I listen to what you said on the podcast"? Like when that first came out, what did you think? I thought in my because I had my microphone that I use to you know I can click on and off to right. you know jump on the broadcast. Right. I was thinking I need to place this in the back pocket to have both <laughs> hands accessible. <laughs> that is what my initial thought was. But he approached me very calmly. So it was it was good. It was good. But it was it was interesting to hear that some of the current players are listening, but also that they appreciated our fair criticism. Well, that's good. That's all you can be is is fair. Um, you know, here's the thing, too. A lot of times, because unfortunately, whenever you played before, and you're talking about a football team now and you say they need to do this or I wish they would have done this differently or I don't like this. It always it, it can feel like it, you're saying that I always did it perfect whenever I played, you know, so it, but it's never that way. And whenever you play football, especially at a high level, you know that. There's never perfect. There's never, rarely is there even like good. There's always something. I mean, you can, you can win on a rep, but still do three or four things wrong or not absolutely perfect. So, um, it never comes from a spot that, uh, if you could only done it the way I did or anything like that, which, you know, well, you were really good. I was, eh, but you were really good, but. I sucked for a decent portion of my career. My freshman year, I was god-awful. I was begging that they not put me out there. I would have ruined everything. (laughs) Would have totally ruined everything. So, I mean, guys grow. And that's the other thing is in college, freshman to senior year, there can be a ton of growth from players. So you can never count someone out whenever they're young because there's no telling what's going to happen over the next two or three years. That is... That is so true. All right, let's get to the recap of the game. So, Western Carolina, not a good football team. Not a good football team. Let's acknowledge that before we get into the recap because we're about to say a bunch of positive things about Oklahoma, right? And they handled an inferior opponent coming into Norman the way that they're supposed to handle it, right? So we can be complimentary while also acknowledging that that team sucked. Like that's everyone that watched that game realizes that Western Carolina was not a good football team, but Oklahoma executed. So let's, let's start with the defensive side of things. I can't believe you have me starting with defense first this season. It's just ridiculous, like but 
supposed to be the strength of the team, Ted. So I always defer to you on how the defense played. Now that you've had a chance to go back and watch it, what did you think about the performance on the defensive side of things? Well, I thought the the things that stood out that I really liked were that we played with a high level of energy from start to finish, and it never let up. Uh, there were hustle plays throughout. There were a bunch of young guys that got really good time, really good reps. Um, I thought the defensive line did exactly what uh, we had talked about. They totally dominated. Uh, they won. They were winning one-on-one battles left and right, flying off the football. Uh, you know, we had a couple of a couple of times where it's like it's a judgment call to whether we're off sides or not because that's how how you know hair trigger those guys were, and that's good. I mean, that's fine, especially whenever you're you've got a lead and and you there's room to be aggressive. Um, I thought for the most part we tackled well. The only mistakes that I really saw in tackling, not only, but if I was to say that there was a general mistake from the team, it was that we overran some things. But that's typically, that's good. That means you're flying to the football with reckless abandon. And sometimes you're going to get caught. Whenever you hit that switch, you flip into top gear and you're motoring and a guy cuts back on you, you're at a risk of flying by. That's that's going to happen sometimes whenever you're playing but fast. I, I'd rather see him do that than I, I think something that has bothered both of us in the recent past and has bothered OU fans in the recent past is, hey, the wide receiver catches a five-yard hitch and the corner just sits there Stops. and waits. And, and then waits. catches yeah. and then gets drugged for three or four yards. Yeah, I am. I am if if the choices are doing that or flying around and missing a couple of tackles just because maybe you're a little out of control, give me the a little out of control every once in a while team, you yep. know? Yep. No, that's, that's, that's exactly right. Because, you know, more often than not, you're going to square it up and you're going to make the play and you're going to make the tackle. But um, that was really the only thing I saw. And like I said, I, you always you don't want guys to miss tackles, but I almost view that as more of a positive than I do anything else. Um, I thought the safety play was way better. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I'm just talking about no free runners, no mental mistakes. Rotations were good. Um, you know, that first series kind of, you know, it, it's hard. Defensively, it's hard whenever you're, you're out there first. You know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's because offenses, you know, script maybe the first 12, 15 plays or what, but the first series is always like the most difficult because there's a little bit of hesitation. You're not sure what you're going to see. Um, did prac does your practice marry up to what you're actually seeing on the field for whatever reason, the first series is, is tough. So after they kind of were on their heels for a couple of plays there, they're settled in. Um, so I, I thought the, the rotations were good. I loved 
seeing all the different backers play. Uh, there was some good stuff. There was some bad stuff, but we got to see a big group play. I thought Deshaun White was on one, man. He was playing super, super aggressive. Loved that. We saw Guaybu get out and run a couple of times, the big guy uh, chasing down some things. Um, there was, it was almost in two or three different plays. One, he's flying to the sideline, makes a play. The next one, he's got the back out of the backfield. He's in good position, and it's a half of a stutter step. He just, he like freezes for half of a step. You can barely even see it, but that's enough for the guy to catch it and get turned and outflank him on the edge. So um, you just kind of, that was a, those things are going to happen, but that you can see the difference between just going, knowing where you're supposed to be and just a little bit of hesitation can cost a first down. Yeah. And you you mentioned Deshaun White. And I, I don't watch those guys as closely as you do. We kind of divide it up, right? But that's the most decisive I, decisive I feel like I've seen him play. Mm-hmm. Like in the backfield, just spiking it, recognizing things, and just saying, you know what? Hey, here I come. And once again, not playing against a good team, but just having that clarity on the field, like, that's something that can build his confidence, right? And they need him to play well. They yeah. need him to play well. So that was that was a very positive thing for me seeing Deshaun White play that way. Yeah. And I don't want to get too in the weeds here. Get in the for, weeds. That well, is literally what this podcast is for. I, I I just I want everyone to understand that sometimes. So in this game, we saw the backers like downhill aggressive flying to their gaps, some of that pin and pull stuff where you get multiple pullers out on the outside. We saw guys like flying downhill and taking on those guys. So when you play a team, well, you're always going to play these coverages, but there's, there's gap sound defenses and there's not, there's defenses that are not gap sound. What that means is a gap sound defense, every gap is accounted for. Okay. And if you have the quarterback, quarterback run game that changes things, but let's not talk about that. Any single high man to man or cover three, anytime you've got a closed middle, you're in a gap sound defense. So that means as a linebacker, I have a predetermined gap that I am responsible for. Now, if they just zone it, there's no pullers. I can just, I can come down and I can play the hell out of that gap. I don't need to two gap anything. All right. Uh, if there's a puller now, my gap may move with that puller, but I'm still just responsible for one gap. When you play a team that is not going to be able to throw it on you a bunch, that's not really a huge threat. You you can you can play one on one with your corners on the outside. You're almost always going to be in a single high. We played a ton of cover three against uh, Western Carolina, so. What happens is the backers are flying. Now, there may be another game where you're playing a team that can throw it better and the linebackers are a little bit slower. That's because you're going to be in an open middle, too high safety or quarters, to where now you're not gap sound in the front and you're responsible for two gaps. So you can't just commit to a gap. You have to slow play it and maybe fall back. So there's a different way to play it. So you have to remember sometimes you may be seeing two different calls to where a linebacker could be ultra aggressive or 
where he's playing two gaps and reading the uh, the running back to to get deeper in the weeds offensively you want to run the ball into looks where the middle of the field is open where it's either cover two or cover four because just like you're saying ted the gap responsibilities become more complex for the defense so in the nfl you'll actually call two plays in a huddle you'll call a pass kill run or run kill pass either one and you'll keep the run on or you'll kill it to the run if you get a too high look if you get a too deep safety look so if they're playing two or four then you run the football. So it, it kind of marries up there to what you're saying. So let's just, yeah. let's just take them real deep, real deep well, in the weeds. What's, what's great in the NFL, because of the structure of the field, it's easier for, for teams' defenses to hide exactly what they're doing with their safeties. So it becomes way more difficult. Now in college, they get real wide. The overhang players are wide, so the safeties have to kind of declare where they're going to be and a lot of that fake tempo, they'll go tempo, tempo, run to the line of scrimmage, defense lines up, and then they'll look to the sideline and they'll say, we know what they're in. Let's run it here or whatever, you know. So that's kind of what's going on there. But this was a game where the linebackers had the ability for a lot of the calls to be aggressive. And I love it. And I thought they responded well to it. So you, you mentioned the communication and the lack of just busts. Right. And I, I talked to Delarian Turner yell after the game about that. We were interviewing me and Plank were interviewing him. And you could just tell when we asked about last week compared to this week when it came to the communication and it came to how crisp they were. He took what happened last week very personally. Right. Uh, I mean, just as, as a veteran guy, just was really, really disappointed in the mistakes that they made. And listen, they, they had a tough week of practice and they translated it onto the field, right? It's not like Western Carolina wasn't shifting, wasn't motion. They were trying to do some things. Now, not a ton of stuff, not a ton of challenging things when it comes to challenging the communication of OU's defense, but it was all clean. As far as I could tell, Ted, when I went back and watched it, I did not see any Huge, glaring mental errors. Yeah. No, I didn't either. Um, there's going to be stuff in there, you know, like how maybe they're supposed to play a route combination or how someone's supposed to fit a, a given run or on a motion is, you know, what, what exactly is the end alignment supposed to be like? There's going to be a bunch of mistakes there. There always is, even in, you know, games where you played really well. It's just... It, it happens 75 times a game. It happens super fast. They're doing things that maybe you haven't seen before. So there's always going to be mistakes. But I thought the greatest thing about it was if there were, were mistakes made, we were playing so fast and so aggressive, they are hard to pinpoint. It's good. If, if that's the problem, that, that that's good. So I guess the the only other things that really stood out to me the injuries, right? I mean, you play a game like that, you're you're hoping in an ideal world, right? You're coming out completely clean. You're coming out injury free. Billy Bowman, as far as I could tell, was got hurt on like the first play of the game. Yeah. With That's that hammy. So 
I it, it didn't sound like it was anything too serious. Sound like they were just being extra cautious with him. But this is a guy that's a starter for this defense, and you're playing Western Carolina. You're trying to get you know tuned up for Nebraska, and one of your starters goes out as early as he can in the football game with the hammy. I was like, uh, not ideal. No, it's not. But you know, one of the the good things about that if you're going to take some silver lining is Turner Yale has been playing quite a bit of nickel and whenever he goes up and plays that nickel we're getting different guys on the back end playing safety Key Lawrence is getting a lot more time uh Broyles has been playing back there and I I feel like he's done pretty good so you're getting some more work at safety if you do need to play Turner Yale at that nickel which I'll just tell you right now in a perfect world I would want Turner Yale to be the nickel. He's he's ultra aggressive. He's a thumper. He's small enough to where he can cover some of those slot guys uh, and big and strong enough. Like I say, small and then big, right back to back. But I well, mean, like he's he, he's physically developed. Like he's a mature yeah. guy. Like been in the yeah, weight he, room. Like he's he I mean, can he's handle the a tight end. Yeah. So yeah. and he's he's. Uh, an aggressive blitzer. I, I think he fits that nickel spot really well. And, you know, if, if that means that key Lawrence and fields are your safeties and Turner yells, now your nickel, I, I think we're in a pretty good spot, but still would have loved to see Bowman out there playing. And you never know with hamstrings, man, sometimes you can come back from them. It bites on you a little bit. You're better in four or five days. Sometimes it nags you for an entire season, you know, and, and you're able to play, maybe you have to come out some games, some, some practices. It's just, they're, they're hard to really gauge. Yeah. That was my, that was my concern when I saw them working on them. I was like, eh, but I, I'm hoping it was just like a little bite and they were being extra cautious, knowing that they were going to win by a thousand and that Do Nebraska you know, is, is he a, I don't know if you've ever noticed, like, can you see if he's a flexible guy or is he, he wound tight? He seems like as they were stretching him on the sideline, like he seemed flexible to me. He didn't seem like a muscle bound, like, yeah. you know, wound tight type of guy. But I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll schedule a yoga class with him, Ted. I'll let you, I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to figure these things out. Well, I think it's weird that they were stretching his hamstring right after he injured it. That's, Typically not a not something that you'll see, but maybe they just weren't sure. Maybe he was the information. Well, it was like he was on him. he was laying on his stomach, and they were stretching. It was more of like a quad stretch, and it seemed like they were feeling how his hamstring was responding to that. Yeah, seeing if there's like a divot in it or something. Yeah, I don't know. The reason I ask is because the guys that are flexible usually can come back from a hamstring or sometimes even play with them. Uh, quicker than guys that are wound tight, but the guys that are wound tight usually don't have pulled muscle issues. So there's like a, there's like a give and take there, but if he's one of those guys that's wound tight and he's got a divot in there, it could be a long time. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully he'll be back and ready to go for, for Saturday against Nebraska. Okay. Ted, I I just have a question for you. How does your left shoulder feel? 
Because I didn't know, like, when, when Teddy Jr. went down with the left shoulder, I didn't know if that's something where, like, oh, you feel it as well. I was having sympathy pains up in the booth. I feel like my – I so was it his shoulder or his elbow? I it, I it looked like his shoulder, and they were x-raying it, and he tweeted out, and we're talking about Danny Stutzman, anyone that, you know, didn't didn't catch that part of the – you know, didn't watch the game all the way through. He had a pretty – what seemed like a pretty significant injury by the way that the doctors were looking at it. But the kid's a psycho, clearly, coming off the field, like pumping the crowd up, shaking his head. Just I was like, this kid is he – He's got to go back in the game. <laughs> he's, he's got multiple screws loose, which is how you want your linebackers to be. But it, it seems significant, but I don't really know – I, I don't really know what to think, but it, the the disappointing part is that he was playing really, really well, right? Yeah, playing really well, played a lot, played early. Um, he's got a motor. He flies to the football. Um, you know, there's some mistakes out there, and there's going to be. You know, just learning how to track the football at the college level is different than high school. But to be a – remember now, he was not an early arrival. He did not get spring practice like a lot of the other freshmen. He didn't get here till like June 1 or so. Like with the Champion Barbecue, that was like his first couple of days that he, he was here, so whatever day that was. Um, so it's been a quick transition for him, but he's, he's done really, really well. He's way ahead of the curve for a true freshman linebacker, so – I'm hoping that it's something that's not too serious that maybe he's not going to require surgery and he can kind of nurse that thing, put it in a brace and, and come back and play some football. It's, it's usually not insignificant when they have to cut your Jersey off your body. Yeah. Usually not insignificant, but well, the kid's going to be a player. Like even if he's gone for a while, right. He's, we, I am I am beyond confident that that kid is going to be an absolute stud in Oklahoma uniform. Like, there's no doubt yeah. in my mind. No, I, I totally agree. He's he's going to get bigger. He's going to get faster. He's going to get stronger. Uh, like he's his last like eighteen months or so. He's gone from like two oh five to like two thirty five. So he's really starting to fill out right now, and he's probably going to put another ten pounds on. Uh, it doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't have to be right away, but that's that's most likely what's going to happen. And as you can see, whenever he plays, he can run. Kid can fly. Between him and the pride of Weatherford, Ethan Downs not wearing any gloves or wrist tape, there's a lot of psycho when it comes to the future of Oklahoma defense, it appears. What? Well, well, <laughs> Who even does that, that doesn't wear tape, doesn't tape the wrist, doesn't wear gloves? It's, it's crazy. It, it's Ethan Downs and then Samoan guys. That's the list. It's crazy. The it, only it looks guys. Weird. It's, it looks like he's like forgot his pants or something. It's, it's the strangest looking thing ever, but I'll give it up to him, man. That You have to have – you can wear gloves and rip your fingernails off or, you know, tear the tips of your fingers and just get your, like your knuckles get just battered and destroyed. 
That's what gloves on with the padded gloves for a guy to willingly go barehanded into that grinder is he's got to have hands of titanium. He's a straight psycho, uh, similar to Vita Vea from the bucks. That's psycho weird. also just a force, an absolute like force a bulldozer. When he goes, he just caves in the whole offense. When I line. watch, when I watch Vita Vea play, I am like so thrilled that I am retired, <laughs> like beyond happy. I'm like, yep, like made the, the decision because, because if I would have kept playing at some point, maybe I would have had to play against that guy. And oh. oof, it, I, I don't think I would have held up very well. Just going to, just going to be honest, but yeah, no, Ethan Dowd's Hey, effort. I, and once again, he cleans up the trash after the game. My nickname for him now, the trash man, the trash man. I like it. Then that play he made is just a fantastic effort play. That's all it is. It's, it's nothing special. It's not, it's not any, um, you know, any feat of athleticism other than turning and giving everything that you've got to the football. He's a big kid that's fast. And I'm not, I'm not trying to say that he's not fast, but what he did there was, was not like a, Oh my God, do you see how fast he is? It was just effort. It's a guy playing from snap to whistle at full speed, which I'll tell you right now, it's easy to ask someone to do that, but it is another world to actually go out there and perform it for 40 or 50 downs in a football game. It's, it's really hard. Your mind is telling you the whole time, oh, they'll get it, slow down, rest. You know, it's only second down. You're going to have to be out here for, uh, for you know, 10 more snaps. Save some, save some, save some. It's what your body's always telling you the whole time, and you have to just throw that out and go. And that's what he did. It was great. And the defense pitches. A shutout. Rare. Rare in college tough. football now. It's tough. Gotta be gotta celebrate that. All right, let's get to the offense. But first, let's talk money. First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. With a 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio, no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. Spencer Rattler looked much better. Way different energy, had the edge that you were looking for from your quarterback. His accuracy was back. His velocity on his throws was back. He was stepping into throws. The ball placement was where you wanted it to be. 
I mean, the back shoulder throw to Mario Williams is one of the best throws of his career, one of the best throws that he's had in an OU jersey. That is an elite timing throw. And my favorite part of it, he makes that throw. And for whatever reason, Ted, I don't know why, comes up to me on the sideline and says, they must have forgot. I need to let them know. And chest bumped. And he was fired up, all kinds of energy. He was way more vocal on the sideline in this game. I loved, 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 loved what I saw from that kid on Saturday. Totally agree. Um, I got my sheet here. Toby asked me keys to the game. And, you know, sometimes in a game like this, it's, it's not really keys to winning the football game, right? It's more about, you know, what do you want to see from this team, you know, moving forward? And, like, what can we learn from them here? So, like, one of my things was for Spencer Rattler to take control of this offense and be responsible for the energy on the football team. He's – it's it's almost like, you know, he was a, he was a redshirt freshman last year. And, and to understand the dynamic on a football team, it, when you're a freshman – and you're 18, 19 years old, and there's like 22 or 23-year-old men on the team that have been there, that have won Big 12 championships, that have, you know, hardware and all Big 12 players. You can't just walk in there and start telling everyone what to do, right? And start like being the rah-rah guy. You just can't do that. You've got to kind of feel it out. And last year, I don't think... Rattler was a great player, but he, I don't think he was like one of the leaders on the team. And I think he started off this season like he was last year. And I think after week one, there was this like, you know, epiphany or like finally realizing that somebody's going to have to step up and, and, and take the responsibility and be the leader. Cause I don't know who it was at that point, but week one, it didn't feel like there was really anyone week two. This is Spencer Rattler's offense and there's no doubt, right? Right. No, that's, that's definitely how it felt. And he also played really well. Mm -hmm. That helps too. Even, even in the run game, right? Some of the scrambles he took off. Remember last week we're talking like, you know, it's almost like he didn't want to get hit. Like what, what's going on? And do I this slide, week, do I hit? Do I make? Yeah, a do move? I slide? Like he's indecisive when he's running, and then this week he's like doing crazy things and trying to reach the ball over the goal line from like two yards too far, and you're just like, okay, he is. He, he was just he had a completely different demeanor and a completely different attitude heading into the game, and that's the rattler we want to see, and that's the rattler this football team needs. Bottom line. Well, here's another thing that, you know, I don't know. We've talked about it a little bit, but really not in a connection with, with Rattler. What's that? Is this is his 15th game? Is that right? 15th Sounds game. right. Yeah. yeah. He played 13 last year. This was his 15th game. He won a Big 12 championship last year. He won a Cotton Bowl last year. I mean, he did a lot of great things. 
This is the first time he's played in front of a full stadium anywhere. So to go out there and finally be able to feed off of something or maybe have like a little bit of a celebration or whatever and get some feedback from the fans. So that it totally changes the the dynamic whenever you introduce 85,000 fans or however many were there. So that's something we got to remember whenever we've been, kind of been talking about the low energy. And you made the point after the week one game that it's not an excuse, but it is a reality that the team will mirror kind of what's going on in the stands. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, it definitely happens. It definitely, the energy in the stadium, by the way, shout out to the OU fans, the striping, the stadium. I did not think that was going to go very well. And it looked the pictures awesome. look awesome. The, I've seen all the different pictures from all the different angles. It's sweet. Yeah. yeah. They did really well. Way, very, way better than I thought. Yeah. Very impressive. But yeah, Rattler was good. And he, I feel like that was, and once again, it was Western Carolina. I understand that, but it felt like something where he is building in a really positive direction, right? With the way that he played. So the offensive line, not going to learn a ton from them playing that level of competition. You're just not going to learn a ton, but the, the mental mistakes were significantly cut down, which is important, right? That is, there, there were way too many in the two-lane game. There were very few in this football game, and that is a, that is a step in a, in a positive direction. Beanbow is going to have to make some tough decisions at some point, Ted, because you, you look at the center position. Robert Congel, He's solid, man. He plays hard. He knows what he's doing. But Andrew Rame is a more talented player than he is. He has what I like to call more juice. You just, when you watch it, you can just see it. But Conjol's getting the job done, man. I mean, he's getting the job done. He's, he's playing at a solid level, but... You need your most talented players playing, right? Because Rame can do things that Conjol can't do. So that's where you run into an interesting situation if you're beating both. So similarly, Tyrese Robinson at right tackle, he's solid, man. Started a bunch of games. There's no doubt he's one of your best five linemen. I mean, there's no doubt, but when you get to the Texas game, you get to the Iowa State game, you get to the college football playoff, and you start playing these teams that have 6'4", 6'5", DNs with super long arms. Like Tyrese Robinson, he doesn't have a lot of length at the tackle position. He knows what he's doing. He's played a ton of football. But Wanye Morris clearly has the tools you want a tackle to have. So can Wanye Morris, who we saw for the first time, who I will say he plays his ass off. Now there's a couple snaps where I know 
Ted, I know exactly what it looks like when a lineman is unsure what to do. I can just tell. I don't know. Like, it's just if you played offensive line and you're watching the tape and you just see like the the demeanor of a guy, you're like, that guy doesn't exactly know where it's he's still supposed float, to go. Right. Whenever you're just, just kind of floating out just, there. Uh, <laughs> he had a couple of those, but he also put some really good stuff on tape. And he plays hard. He runs to the ball. He's got the length. He's got size. Anchors pretty well. Like when you get to playing the elite teams, that's the type of guy you want to have at the tackle position. And we've gone over the Anton Harrison thing, right? And me and Anton had a talk on the sideline. <laughs> it was one of those, hey, man. Do you have any idea how good you can be if you just play hard? And he gave me this look, and I was like, that's all you need to do. You know what to do. Just play hard. And it was like one of these, yes, sir, like you're right. But <laughs> it's it, it's going to be an interesting situation beating Bo finds himself in because he's got a couple guys that are grading out high, right? I go through the tape, and I grade it all. Like, Conjol's grading out really well. Assignment grade, execution grade, he's grading out for me. But Rame's more talented. And Tyrese Robinson's got, like, he's grading out just fine. But Juan A. Morris is, is more talented at the tackle position. So it's just going to be interesting to see if Juan A. Morris can become a guy that Bill Beanbow and Lincoln Riley trust. Because he does. He's got the tools. He does. So it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how the offensive line shakes out moving forward. Yeah. What about Bird played some late? What'd you think of him? He looked great. Just he looked great. Mover, strong. Right? He's just strong. Just, I, I do, obviously, a young player. Everything I've been told from the strength coaches, you know, from the guys on the staff is that that kid, he just works. Doesn't say much, just puts in the work. Bro, he looks the part. I mean, he is filling out. He is going to be one of those guys here in a year where you look at him, come out on the field, and go, that's what a tackle at the University of Oklahoma should look like. So I really liked what I saw from him when he got in there, like played hard, you know, did not too many mis uh, assignment mistakes. Like he's going to be just fine. If he keeps working the way he's working, you're going to play a lot of football in Norman. That's good. That's good. Uh, last question, and I think I asked you the same thing last week. Is there a chance that because you want to get maybe Conjol and Rame out there together that you could see Rame play one of the guards? Or is that doubtful? Chris Murray's good. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some moments where his lack of length stands out where he's kind of like you you remember did you have any older siblings yeah you know like when your older brother would yeah would put his <laughs> put it like their palm on your head and you'd swing at him and you couldn't reach him yeah it's not that bad for murray but Mur Mur there's sometimes you can just see like that the length isn't there but out of any player that they have along that offensive line he has more highlights than anyone where he's taking guys and burying them. 
I, with the way he is playing and now, right, none of the pre-snap stuff this game, right? No penalties for him. Everything was clean. No assignment mistakes. Like, he, he played a really good game. And he's, he's the most physical guy they've got. Bill doesn't typically take a guy that is moving people and playing with that type of attitude off the field. So I, I do feel, I will say, I feel good about the options they have in the interior. I do. They, they really need tackles to emerge and start playing better football to develop. Like they, they need Anton Harrison to know what it takes, know the way you have to play and to continue to progress. So, and, and that's the good thing when you look at Harrison. You look at how he played last week, and once again, I know Western Carolina sucked, but you look at how he played last week from an effort standpoint, and you look at how he played this week, and there's improvement. I mean, there's no doubt. There's improvement. He's finishing blocks. He's blocking his guy through the whistle at times. Like He, he got the message. Yeah. Now he's got to continue to improve. It's got to be that way every snap. And if he can learn to do that, man, he is, he's got all the talent in the world. But the interior, you've got good options with Conjol and Raym at center, Marquise Hayes at left guard, you know, right guard with, with Murray. You can also have Swinson Tyrese Robinson. Swinson played some guard too, didn't he? Yeah, Swinson played a lot of guard. Yeah. So I, I, the, the interior is solid. They need two tackles, in my opinion, to emerge like to really emerge and become high-level players. If they can get that, that O-line will be really good. I mean, really good. But it's not just going to happen, man. I mean, they, they got to continue to work at it. And I'm starting to think that Wanya Morris is the key to that. Yeah. If he can emerge, if he can show, like if you can get Harrison and Morris both at the tackle positions, just with the tools they have, the length, the size, like the, the way you want your offensive tackles to look and be able to play and to be able to block elite body types coming off the edge, then they'll be in really good shape. I like it. Bet you uh, didn't know you signed up for that much offensive line talk. I like, well, I think I could have just be... said, hey, they blocked a bunch of bad defensive linemen and they played pretty decent. It is sometimes it can be it's it's one of the least talked about position groups in all of football at any level. But ultimately, at the end of the year, what are we always talking about is, you know, who's got the better offensive and defensive line? It's it's totally the key to success, specifically for the way that Oklahoma plays offense that you can't do it without a great offensive line. Yeah. And Marquise Hayes ended up looking like himself again. I don't know what the hell happened last week. As he said, he was tripping, tripping last week. <laughs> but he, he looked like himself this week, physical, energetic, talking noise. So I liked what I saw from him. I also liked what I saw from Jaden Hazelwood, Ted. Yeah. Two touchdowns. He wins on the RPO slant for that first touchdown. Just a reminder to any of our listeners. There is a difference between a run pass option or an RPO and play action. 
And here's the easiest way to tell the difference. Watch the offensive line. Like everyone should always watch the offensive line. If there are guys on the offensive line, yeah, if there's working, guys illegally downfield, uh, 10 yards downfield blocking people when they're throwing the ball, that's an RPO. Excuse me, sir. If there are guys <laughs> working to the second level of the defense <laughs> with eyes on them, approaching them, then it's an RPO. If they are staying at the line of scrimmage with their blocking combinations, then it is play action pass. I, I, I just can't stand how many people were like, oh, great play action fake. Hazelwood catches a touchdown. I'm like, no, no, that was a called run. That was a called run. And the quarterback decided to throw the slant. You're wrong. But, you know, I, I don't like for correcting next week. people. Well, we're here to I educate. I love it because next week, you know, whenever the same thing happens and someone over there in the student section is like, oh my God, we're killing them with the play action. The clarinet section from the pride is actually going to be like, well, actually, if you watch the offensive line there, that was a called run play. Did, did you <laughs> see him approaching the linebackers? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's clearly a run pass option, not, not called play action. So there, there is a difference, but good to see Hazelwood. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that was, that was good for his confidence. This is a guy that, you know, I, I still don't think he's got, he, he's not going to wow you with speed. I, I just don't think he's that type of player, at least now, but he can use that size, that physicality, especially down in the red zone. And that's what he did, man. And if you, if you can get him the ball in those situations, that's just another weapon for this offense. So I was I was pumped to see him gain some confidence, make some big time catches down in the red zone. Once again, I know Western Carolina sucks, but for that young man, that felt big to me. Like it did. That felt big for him to make those plays in front of that crowd. He needed that. And it's really the first time he's well, he's been healthy, but there's a difference. And you can speak to this. There's a difference between being healthy and, you know, thinking about your surgically repaired leg, foot, shoulder, whatever, being healthy or thinking about it on every play. Uh, how's it feel here? Is it okay? Uh, are they going to hit me in my knee whenever I'm bringing a pass in? It, it looked like this is the first time he's playing football without thinking about his knee. He's just out there relying on his athleticism, reacting to the ball, playing, not thinking about anything uh, going down, uh, going on uh, with his knee or, or anything else. And it looks like it, at least to me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Also, Eric Gray looked awesome. I mean, he looked the way that we expected him to look. The stop and start was fantastic. I mean, he's turning a guy, he's turning guys in circles. It was just, it was silly. And I was, I was critical about his blitz pickup last week. Clearly that's something they worked on in practice. <laughs> he was laying the wood in some blitz pickups. And we talked it, about it, that one on air and it's like that guy insulted his mother or something. Cause as soon as that ball was snapped, like I couldn't tell who was on the blitz. Was it Eric gray or was it the linebacker? Because he flew from that uh, that running back spot and smashed that dude. That was awesome. Well, yeah. So uh, I think we're. I, I think that's the Eric Gray. 
we're going to continue to see playmaking in the run game, in the pass game, and then doing the damn thing in blitz pickup. I, I, I was very encouraged by his progress from game one to game two. And then Ted, Caleb Williams, he, he's going to be pretty good. He's an exciting player. I mean, he's, he's not going to be the quarterback this year, people. That's not going to happen. But the future is rather bright. He looked good. He's got good snap on his ball. Uh, obviously, what he brings in the running game is that's a game changer. It's, it's just it's a different style than, than what Spencer Rattler has right now. Not that the way Spencer Rattler plays is bad. I think, I think he's obviously excellent. Uh, but whenever you, you factor in the, the running portion of a quarterback, totally changes the game on the defensive side. And we saw how dangerous he is with that. I mean, took that long way. I thought he was going to go to the house. Uh, got a little too far over his skis. That was funny. The, the one where he was going for the end zone <laughs> and got a little too far over his skis. Caleb. Hand the damn ball off. <laughs> Touchdown. J- Jaden Knowles walks into the end zone on the outside zone, zone read scheme. And it was a give read. Hand him the ball. Hand him the ball. And yeah, then the you don't end up tripping. Was, was standing pretty far out there. I thought he was still going to be able to run around him, but uh, couldn't turn it. <laughs> okay, for our call your shot question, we asked for your number one takeaway from OU's beatdown of Western Carolina. And this one comes from some guy named Toby Rowland at T row. OU. <laughs> All he said is Teddy Williams. <laughs> oh man. If anyone was listening to the broadcast on Saturday night, we had an ongoing saga. We started off at fan fest and It's just north of the stadium. So typically what happens is the whole crew is there. We do like Toby brings it in. We do a quick little opening segment. Hey, what do you think about the game? What are you looking forward to? We do that 10 minutes. Then you and Plank take over. And then we take over the pregame. What an hour out. So we're at FanFest and we sign on and Toby does a little intro. And he's like, we're all here. Uh, color analyst Teddy Williams is here, Chris Plank, sideline analyst, and, and Gabe Eichard, and just like plows on right through it. And I look up at Plank and I'm like, Am I am I crazy? Am I the only person that heard that? And <laughs> so the and then we're up in the booth and I and I finally told him, I was like, Did you know you called me Teddy Williams down there? And he's like, Wait, what? No, I didn't. I did not. So we had an ongoing uh saga with that. And then it kept showing up. What was it? Woody Williams? <laughs> Plank called Woody Washington Woody Williams because y'all put it in his head, man. Because Toby called called him Woody Williams earlier in the game. Is Teddy Williams, <laughs> color analyst, Oklahoma football, Butkus Award winner, Teddy Williams. Okay, this one comes from Scott Brooking. He says, number one takeaway, played as a complete team yesterday, all phases, Hard to learn anything about a team playing someone who is so overmatched. I think that's a fair fair assessment of the game, right? OU played played an inferior team, but played the way you're supposed to play and 
beat the living shit out of the inferior team. Right. That's yeah. that's how it's supposed to go. So yep. job job well, well done. The, in, it is not in. I hope people aren't mistaking the way we're talking about this. It is not a perfect game. It's totally not. But some of the things that we saw from week one that we're critical of looked better this week. It's clear whenever you play someone that's not as talented, the mistakes, they just don't stand out. When you play a really good football team that's really talented, one bad step by an offensive lineman can be the difference in, you know, a a three-yard loss on a play. You play that you have the same exact movement from the offensive line against Western Carolina, it could be a 50-yard touchdown, right? So, obviously, the, the, the mistakes are inflamed whenever you're playing someone that's better. But some of the things that were lacking in week one, some of the effort stuff, some of the attitude stuff, just looking like a, a tough physical football team, that was there this week. And that's a good thing. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Bursting insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. And guys, summer is here and you know what that means it's hard seltzer season baby and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast and that is sonic hard seltzer from coupe Works. it's still weird saying sonic instead of will and wiley it's perfect for any occasion we drink it by the pool at the lake and at the tailgate you can buy 12 packs of the iconic sonic drive-in flavors like cherry limeade and ocean water or you can grab a citrus variety or tropical variety pack Find it at your local grocery store, convenience store, or liquor store. All right, to National College Football Roundup, the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Remember, that is singular, not plural. The Tulsa Golden Hurricane, 23. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, 28. Fresh off the loss to UC Davis, Tulsa took the pokes to their limit, and the Turnpike Classic was actually very entertaining. and. Hey, Tulsa was the better team for three quarters. Watched every snap of the game. (laughs) I I was really impressed with how Tulsa's defensive line was handling Oklahoma State's offensive line. I mean, they were living in the backfield. I will give credit to OSU. Made the plays they had to make in the fourth quarter. The L.D. Brown kickoff return for the touchdown was a massive play in that game. Oklahoma Oklahoma State's defense was solid, in my opinion. Their offense, they've got to get a lot better, man. If they want to make any noise in the Big 12 Conference at all, Mike Gundy better find that improved Spencer Sanders he was telling us about because I did not see him on Saturday. 
he looked like the same average to below average guy that we've seen for the last couple of seasons, Ted. Yeah. He's, he, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to sit here and hammer the kid, but he's, he's not middle of the road in the big 12. I think is, I mean, I, I think with how highly recruited, he, with how highly recruited he was, I mean, he's supposed to be like a, you know, first three, four rounds type draft pick in the NFL. He's nowhere near that in my head right now. Nowhere close. He's a, he's a 50, 55 completion percentage guy in college football where routinely guys are up above 70. Um, a touchdown, an interception, add a couple of plays in the running and, game. And the interception was a pick six, and I'm still trying to figure out where he was throwing the football. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah, it's – I don't know, man. I, I'm just – I'm not seeing it. I don't think it's uh, – like I said, I don't want to hammer the kid, but it's 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 not – He's. it's not going to happen. You know, a lot of times they'll say, well, you got to wait it out. You know, these kids, they change. We've been waiting for a long time, man. We've been waiting for a long time, and it's, I, I've given up. I don't, I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I was, I was holding out hope for the young man because of what his head coach said about his improvement this off season. I, I was not impressed, but most importantly for Oklahoma state, they avoided disaster. They actually got the win. They were able to get it done there in the fourth quarter, but they did not look good. And they have not looked good in their first two games at all. Okay, let, let's talk about I, Enough about Oklahoma State. Let's talk about a great game. Oregon 35 at Ohio State. 28. 35-28. Oregon gets the win. Game was awesome. I mean, just a massive game for C.J. Verdell for the Ducks on the ground. And credit to that offensive line from Oregon, man. Ohio State's defensive line is supposed to be as the as the people say the bee's knees, and Oregon's O line handled them all game long, and I think I might owe Anthony Brown an apology. Now he wasn't perfect, but he and it, the, you look at it not an eye popping stat line, especially as a passer, but made good decisions for the most part with the football. Used his athleticism in the run game. Used it as a scrambler in key situations in the game to extend drives, first downs. Now, I thought C.J. Stroud was fine, right? Nothing mind-blowing from him. Statistically, his numbers are huge. Yeah, spread the ball around to all those stud wideouts. Like, did a good job. But Ohio State had serious momentum in the fourth quarter. And that Oregon defense, they had to get a stop to win the game. And the defense got the stop. And they did it without Kayvon Thibodeau. Good call, Ted. He did not play. Good call by good call up by you. But and also Justin Flo, their stud linebacker, didn't play either. But they had to have the stop and they got it. And just an absolutely huge win for Mario Cristobal in that football team. 
massive. What I never thought I would see is Oregon from the Pac-12 go to Ohio State and whip them with 12 personnel. They got two Oregon's got two tight ends that are dudes, man, in the passing game, the play action game, single and on digit, the scrimmage. Single digit tight end, Ted. Your favorite. Ooh. Those two those two guys were legit. And that's not that's something that if you can do that, that's not just trick 'em stuff. That's lining up and and whipping a team on the line of scrimmage that's had a top five recruiting class for as far back as we want to go. That's impressive stuff, man, from Oregon. Really is. Yeah, you were you were saying it it was so weird. First of all, it was an awesome, it was a very aesthetically pleasing game. The game reminded me of Christmas. <sighs> I hated to say this. I told someone, uh, I was actually standing there next to Steely, and I was like, man, I hate to admit this, but I love those Oregon uniforms. Love those. Them. Or those uniforms are awesome. The white with the green accents, and then you had the Ohio State red, and I was like, "It's Christmas in September," <laughs> and it, it was it was the best game of the weekend. I mean, it was an awesome game, but dude, you're right, Oregon, and this is exactly what Mario Cristobal has been building. Right, he's an O line guy. They were the more physical team at the line of scrimmage. They were more physical, Oregon was more physical than Ohio State. Yep. And I watched it over and over, and I was just like, damn, dude, they are good. You talk about two offensive tackles that looked apart. Holy shit. Those guys from Oregon look awesome, but it's just they just controlled things. They I out did. hit Ohio State. And it was, when when has anyone been able to go in to a to the Big Ten to like Ohio State and beat them running one back power? and 12 personnel and then play action off of it. They're running the same thing. Three level nine, seven, three, where they play action. Like they have the two tight ends and they just like spear off with the over. And it was, it's tough because you got the safety and everyone's like burying down in there. Then they've got to like regroup and try and get out to their zones. It was good. It was, it was fun football to watch. Ohio state's defense never adjusted to the pin pull concepts down by the goal line. <laughs> That corner just took himself out of the play every single time. They scored three touchdowns on different versions of the same concept. And I was like, ah, I mean, if they're not going to stop it, just keep running it. Yeah, it's wild. Oregon's legit. I, the the week one was like, ooh, man, I thought they were going to look better than that, but may have been looking ahead a little bit to that Ohio State game, and they showed up ready to play. And as you mentioned, without a couple of studs on defense week one plays tricks on our eyes but ted we thought that iowa state's performance against northern iowa that was that was not what that football team was and my god were we wrong iowa goes to ames and knocks off the cyclones 27 17 when you lose the turnover battle four to zero, you normally lose the football game. And, and just an absolute yeah. implosion for Iowa State's offense, especially in the third quarter. I mean, the most frustrating thing, Ted, was that 
the mistakes that Iowa State made in the game came from the guys that are supposed to be their best players. I mean, Brock Purdy underthrows Xavier Hutchinson by a mile for an interception. Iowa goes and scores a touchdown off that. Purdy throws two more interceptions that led to Iowa field goals. One of those goes right through Xavier Hutchinson's hands and falls right into an Iowa guy's lap. Brees Hall fumbles on their own five-yard line on first down for a scoop and score for Iowa. Iowa's defense, I mean, you got to give them credit, man. They dominated this football game. They dominated so much that Brock Purdy got yanked. He didn't play the fourth quarter. Hunter Deckers, the big lefty, was in there for Iowa State. And I I have to issue another apology. Spencer Petrus, I said your name wasn't a good quarterback name. You didn't play. I, you didn't play that well, but you outplayed Brock Purdy and you got the win. So just Ted, just a dominant performance from Iowa on the road. Uh, yeah, he's the Petrus kid. Is, is it Petrus? How do you say it? Is it, the announcers were saying Petrus. I think okay. Petrus is way cooler, but yeah. let's go with Petrus. Cause that's how they, that must he's be what the huge big guy, I had, I had no big idea. pocket presence. Big. He, I thought I thought I was watching like Marino in 1993, gigantic dude in the pocket. <laughs> they're lining up. They're in a huddle, coming out in I formation with a fullback with a neck roll on. It's like, did I go in, into like a time portal here? What is happening? But I I like watching them play. Their defense is legit. Uh, when they do spread it out, they got a couple of wide outs that are that are uh, decent players. That's just a, a, it's 27 to 17, but they owned that. That game was not any, it wasn't even close. Never. They owned it. Never felt like Iowa State was going to win. I mean, I guess the first quarter it did a little bit. Were they a little up bit. 10 to 3 at one point, Iowa? But it, whenever, or maybe it was 14 to it felt insurmountable, whatever it was, whenever it was just a small lead. Because remember, Iowa, Iowa State went up 3 nothing, right? And then the, the Purdy interception where he underthrew, like Hutchinson, it should have been a touchdown. Saw it late, didn't let it rip. And then when he did, turns out he can't push it down the field very far. And they intercepted, get the ball like midfield, go and score a touchdown. And seven to three, and then Iowa never, never blinked. Then they were up fourteen to three, and it was never close from there. Yep. Matt Campbell can't beat Iowa. Nope, can't do it. Can't do it. Hasn't done it. Iowa State, come on, man. It really sucks. It's we it's, believed in them. I don't know. <laughs> we went from okay. Big 12, here we go. This could be a fun year. Texas is in the mix. Uh, look good against Louisiana. I will get to Texas. If they beat Iowa, this this is going to be fun. It's going to be wild. K-State, uh, it, it, the whole thing fell apart. Oklahoma State is lucky. They returned a kickoff for a touchdown, which let that be a note to every head coach out there. That's why you don't fair catch 
a kickoff because it's like a 95% chance of winning the football game when you have a miscellaneous touchdown. That's exactly why you do it. Yeah, you, you were talking about the Big 12 stuff. TCU narrowly escapes and had to come from behind against Cal, 34-32. Oklahoma State, we talked about that one. Barely beats Tulsa. Iowa State gets worked in front of, I assume, the best crowd in the history of Ames, Iowa. Has the crowd, it would the, the crowd brought it. They were awesome. Yeah. And then Kansas State plays a tight one against Southern Illinois, and Texas Tech has to come from behind and beat Stephen F. Austin. Awesome. <laughs> Sweet. They were down 13 to 7 to Stephen F. Austin at halftime. Awesome. Wow. But probably the worst of all of them. Ted, week one lied to us. Our eyes were fooled. We were deceived. The Texas Longhorns go to Arkansas and get their ass whooped. 40-21, and it was not that close. Ted, I got a question for you. How would you react if you were on a defense that gave up 333 rushing yards in a game? Oof. I don't know. I don't, I don't even, I don't even, that doesn't even register. That's crazy. That is, that's disrespectful is what that is. That is just straight up shoving your nose in it. That is brutal. 333. Woo. Arkansas's offensive line. It destroyed Texas's front seven. They whooped their ass, and a bunch of Razorbacks got carries, and every single one of them had success when they touched the football, man. It was a bunch of different guys. Even the big QB, KJ Jefferson, that dude is a load. He is. But I, I did think Texas missed some opportunities offensively in the first half. And Cameron Dicker certainly didn't do him any favors, right? Missing a field goal, dropping a punt snap, putting him in a horrible situation. But Sark is supposed to be this offensive genius, and Texas's offense just didn't do much. They just didn't do much. And it had a lot to do with them losing the battle to the line of scrimmage. Thought Arkansas's defensive line was physical as hell. But uh, Hudson Card just couldn't get things going offensively and give Arkansas credit. They contained B. John Robinson all night long, really kept him bottled up, not only in the run game, but in the pass game. Texas really didn't find any success offensively until the game was over, and Casey Thompson came in and put together a few touchdown drives for him. So we'll see if that ends up mattering when it comes to who Sark goes with at the quarterback position for the Longhorns, but a fantastic win for Sam Pittman in Arkansas. He, he's been building that program the right way, right? He's got energy into that program. The fans are excited. And I would just, I would like to, I would like to welcome 
Texas Longhorn fans, back to planet Earth. Mm. Welcome back, guys. And it wasn't a uh, wasn't a soft landing. It was a, a crash back to planet Earth. Because, you know, and, and obviously this was probably thrown at all the Texas fans that made the trip up to, to Fayetteville. Um, this is this is what you're headed headed to. By the way, Arkansas, the worst program over the last decade in the SEC. So, and I know this team is obviously on the rise. Pittman's done some really good things there, but just to kind of let you know where you're measuring up, you got a lot of work ahead of you if you if you want to if you if you want to play Good football in that conference week in, week out. You're going to have to bring a hell of a lot more to the table than giving up 333 on the ground to Arkansas. Arkansas, and once again, week one is what it is, but Arkansas was the team that was tied 17-all going into the fourth quarter against Rice. That's what Arkansas is. And Texas went to Fayetteville and got that ass whooped. Which, okay, I I always enjoy watching Texas lose, right? Born and raised OU fan, played at OU, cover OU. I enjoy watching Texas lose. But part of me also wants Texas to go into OU Texas undefeated so that Oklahoma can rip their hearts out and destroy all their fans' hopes and dreams. I enjoy that part of it too. Maybe that part, maybe I enjoy that version of it the most. So when Texas goes and gets destroyed by Arkansas, it makes me upset because it, I I feel like it devalues OU Texas, which I think is the best game in all of college football. And that pisses me off, Teddy. 100%. I feel the same way about it today as I did whenever I played. I wanted them undefeated and ranked as high as possible whenever we beat them in the Cotton Bowl. Yes. Now, absolutely. Does that mean that I cheer for them or I am sad if they lose? Absolutely not. But if you were asking me what I would prefer, I would prefer them undefeated and ranked number five in the country whenever we beat them in in the Cotton Bowl. That's what I want. Thanks a lot, Texas. You ruined OU Texas this year. Congratulations. God, dude, they look so good week one. And Louisiana's not a bad football team. They're not. What happened? Where did that team go? Score some points, Sark. What are we doing? It's the same thing that I've, I've always said about Texas, and we've seen this time and time again. And it was one of the reasons that, you know, I, I said, I admit Texas looked really good in week one against Louisiana. But the one thing I know about Texas is they cannot handle success. They've never been able to handle success. They show up. They look good one week. They feel like they've arrived. Everyone goes and hangs out on 6th Street. They're the new stars in town. Everyone loves them. Life is great. The hard work is done. We know how to play good football. And they relax. And they go out and look horrible. It's it's this it's this never ending cycle. It's infuriating. I wanted B 
because if they kept winning, they were going to be in the top 10. And then, you know, I've watched it, but they, they don't have the same talent as OU. And OU was going to destroy them. And we all were going to have a laugh about it. And now it's all gone. And I'm sad. Yep. All right. Let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first, are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? SoftRock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. SoftRock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant, fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own The Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass-filled joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Soft Rock and The Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. Make sure they know we sent you. And are you looking to buy or sell a house in OK in the OKC metro area? I just used the Ronaldo Cloud Group to sell my old house, and it was so easy and stress-free. Station Ronaldo and Maddie Cloud are with Sage Sotheby's International Realty. They believe in prompt communication, an honest relationship, and the luxury service. And that's exactly what they gave me. You can reach them by emailing Stacia at Stacia at SageShare.com. That's S-T-A-C-I-A at S-A-G-E-S-I-R.com. Or you can contact them on Instagram at at sold by Stacia and at sold by Maddie underscore. You will not regret using them as always, Ted. Kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? Well, I considered going with Panthers and Jets fans because I got to tell you, it's rare that I feel like everyone wins. And I know the Panthers won that football game. Uh, I thought Darnold looked excellent at times for Carolina. And even though he lost, and even though he had a, a bad interception, I thought Zach Wilson actually looked really good for decent portions of that football game. For his first start in the NFL, he looks like a guy that belongs. Now, he's going to have some things to work on, obviously, but I've kind of felt like both both organizations have a good quarterback for the near future. I agree. I I thought Darnold, for whatever reason, he just looks better in a Panthers jersey than he did in the He Jets. looked athletic and, out there, didn't he? Maybe it was the why. I don't, I don't know what it was. He just looked better. Uh, Matt yeah. Rule with the FDNY hat. That was awesome. I love Matt Rule so much. Ted, I just, I, I'm so surprised you picked this game. I'm afraid to ask, do you have Christian McCaffrey on your fantasy team this year? Hell no. would pick that guy. Who knows? Uh, they lose a couple of games, phantom ankle injury. He'd be jogging up and down the sideline for the next 12 weeks. No you, way. Uh, you clearly watched the game. So you saw his 98 rushing yards and then nine catches for 89 yards? Oh, yeah. It was great. Just like week one last year was great. Okay? Just don't expect it to last. <laughs> Pathetic. I, I, uh, I see that you've gotten over <laughs> last year's fantasy football debacle with Christian McCaffrey. 
but I ended up settling on Rams fans. And I'll just tell you right now, I may look like a total idiot because I've got the game paused in the other room. But I saw Matt Stafford rip the ball down the field for about a 65-yard uh, opening touchdown for the season. I'll, I'll give you an update. I won't give you a score update, but I'll give you a Stafford stat line update. Okay. 16 of 21, two touchdowns, no interceptions currently for Matt Stafford. There you Former go. Former teammate, tremendous man, fantastic guy. Monster arm, huge cannon. He's aggressive. I hope he's not too aggressive. That's the one thing I worry about with that defense. You don't want to play to the, you want to play to them. Don't put them in a bad spot. But uh, I think Matt Stafford for the Rams is a game changer. They've been, they've been right there knocking on the door. I feel like he could be good enough to get them where they're honestly right there competing for a Super Bowl. Update 17 of 22 for Matt Stafford. Three touchdowns, Oof. no interceptions. Oof, there you go. The stat line, uh, stat line for the boy Stafford, looking good currently. And hey, I'll I'll give those white jerseys popping, popping under the lights at the new stadium there for the Rams. I know a lot of people are a little uh, little unsure about them. I I kind of like them. Unsure about the the unis. The unis, yeah, received some criticism. What, what uniform does it other than that's a good you, point unless you're wearing the same thing you've worn for 50 years every uniform is going to receive some criticism justin fields has thrown two passes for the bears by the way ah nice so you got you got some interesting stuff to look forward Brief to little appearance there how about that okay all right who do you have as your loser of the weekend it was really difficult not to go with florida state Week one, I mean, just an unbelievable effort. Fan base, excited, hopeful. Week two, Jacksonville State. And how they give up that touchdown on that play, just unbelievable. But it happened. What a brutal Brutal, brutal turnaround, turn of events for a week two for Florida State. That, like, I I question how that happens. Like, I know that there's, there's no moral victories, right? But you play Notre Dame, who is one of the most talented teams in the country. Any way you look at it, right? Along the line of scrimmage. <laughs> they barely won. How they like it was like they the escaped. Opposite. They escaped. Florida State did not. That was crazy. But I just wonder, like, if you're the players from Florida State, what, like, what do you say coming into that locker room? Like, we were all excited for Mackenzie Milton to take over as quarterback, and he was okay, but. You cannot lose that game. You just can't. I mean, you can't lose that game, man. Jacksonville State. This was a team that UAB shut out the week before. Well, I'll answer your question with this. What do you say walking into that locker room? Well, it depends. It depends on how you played in the game. 
It's a good point. <laughs> but if, okay, if you played you... well, you could say anything you want. If you didn't play well, you're just going to keep it quiet, go over to the locker, and try and sink into the background. When when you see a game like this, like normally you're like, okay, well, Florida State must have they just must have turned it over like five times. The turnover margin was even. One turnover each. Which means you just got outplayed by Jacksonville State. I don't know what was happening on the on the final play. I don't know what they're doing. They're just don't give up the touchdown. And the game's over. And they're in like a I I, I only saw the highlight, but they're not in a final play defense. They're like bringing people on the up front, it looked like. Single high safety. I don't know. I, that's crazy. That's I did, such, such a bad loss. By the way, <laughs> Jacksonville State, if you haven't seen it, it's basically they just throw a go ball down and it's not even like down the sideline it's like in between the numbers and the sideline the jacksonville state guy just catches it in stride stops a little bit and scores a touchdown on the last play of the game to win it it was and gets dogpiled by his team which was awesome ev- everyone in tallahassee has tallahassee has to watch jacksonville state celebrate on their field just unbelievable it's crazy yeah oh Ted, I've got a question for you. Where do winners stop on road trips? Loves. That's right. Well, hang on. I got to give you my loser real quick. That's who I thought about going with. Oh, oh. I ended up going with Trevor Lawrence. I'll make it quick. This has to be true because I read it. (laughs) They could have just thrown it up there. This is Trevor Lawrence's first regular season loss ever high school college ever and i'll I'll just get ready for some adversity buddy because they are they are about to absolutely pile up uh he's obviously he's a great player and has done some great things to to be able to claim that he's never lost a regular season game but i don't know mentally how he's going to uh, make it through the season if that's the case Remember when we thought the Texans, with all the drama with Deshaun Watson, that they were going to be the worst team in the league? They were up 27 to 7 at halftime. <laughs> I was watching it. I was just like, oh my gosh. And I will say, my man Tyrod Taylor, looking good that way, Tyrod. God, they're going to be bad, man. Horrible. Horrible. Remember, are going to make it through the season, like health wise? Uh, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I hope, I he does. I have no I hope he's all right. He didn't look but like he was having a very good time. Here's the thing, man. And you know, this not to spend much time on it. I he's, he's a grinder. He grinds his players and in the NFL, they'll do it for a little while. But if it doesn't turn into wins mutiny. Oh yeah. Hey, Ted, I've got a question for you. Let's see. Where do winners stop on road trips? Loves? 
That's right. Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. If you're road tripping to the OU or OSU game this week, make sure you stop at Love's Travel Stops. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Of course, you can purchase your fuel at Love's, but they also have restaurant offerings, fresh fruit, drinks, and my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Hey, someone sent me a tweet. Got the coffee because of us. Keep getting it, people. Yeah. I like it. Love's also, as you covered, if you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. If you're making a long trip, you can always stay at one of the 19 hotels Love's operates across the country. Make your make sure you download the Love's Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Love's Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Ted, I do believe Loves will be giving us some uh, some gift cards to give away to listeners. Yeah. Awesome. So we'll uh we'll work that into the read when we get those. Okay, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So much hype for the Bills coming into the season, people saying, "Hey, maybe the Super Bowl team." Well, all the Steelers did was go to Buffalo, get down 10 to nothing, and fight back and get a tough road win, 23-16. And Big Ben was okay, but that was a nice win for the Steelers. But to my winner of the weekend, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals go on the road and just smack the Tennessee Titans 38-13. And Kyler looked awesome. I mean, was ripping deep throws all the way across the field early, was really accurate. His mobility continues to be one of the most entertaining things in the National Football League. He had an absolutely ridiculous scramble in this one. Like it was straight out of like a pickup game of football at recess. It was it was awesome, but some of those throws he makes on the run, they're just ridiculous, man. And that touchdown throw to DeAndre Hopkins, it, it was just, it was so good. Like he is, he's so difficult to defend. He had the rushing touchdown on, on the naked, oh. ends up with the rushing touchdown, four passing touchdowns. Arizona's defense completely shuts down Derrick Henry and that Titans offense. Chandler Jones had. Five sacks. They may want to get that man that new contract that he wants. They better do it now before he gets <laughs> before he, sacks. Yeah, but just a a dominant performance for the Arizona Cardinals on the road against what I think is going to be a really good football team. So that was that was a hell of a start to the season for Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. I I think that Kyler is on the verge. You're two down the road, maybe sooner. I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. I, it's too easy. Whenever someone in a sport makes it look that easy, there's something going on. Like it, We're about to witness something special. I don't know that I've ever seen anyone make it look that easy. Now it's week one, and he's going to go through some stuff as well. But I, I don't know which was first, but it was funny that on my timeline on Twitter, Someone 
tweets out a video of is like the first throw on the run. This is going to be the greatest. This is going to be the best throw you see all day. And I was like, wow, yeah, probably is. And then like two scrolls later, there's the NFL network has a video of him throwing the grenade ball that it looks like it comes like straight down into the back of the end zone. Unbelievable. The kid is unbelievable in the scramble or not the scramble, but the rushing touchdown. He's just, he's, he's different. He's different player, man. He knew he scored as soon as soon as he turned around on the fake. he, He was like, Oh, I'm out running that dude, put the ball up and everything. I was like, Oh my gosh. It's it's nice to know that you are the fastest player on the field at all times. It's a great feeling. They look good. Hey, even even old JJ Watt, he made some plays in that one. But he's running under some blocks, making a couple of plays. No, running behind. Or running behind running, him. Running behind. He did it on the, the goal line and made a play. And I was like, JJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Vintage Watt, uh, some would say. Okay, for my loser of the weekend. Thought about going with the Browns punter. Listen, man, you can't hand the Kansas City Chiefs points, bro. I know you're from Scotland, but don't do that. Like, and I think they call him the Scottish Hammer. And I've got some intel. That guy likes to drink some Guinness. He's shocker. He gets after it, but it hit him right in the hands. What job? And of course, that sets the Chiefs up. And the Chiefs ends up that was that was an awesome game, and I felt bad for Baker. Like he had played so well, so so well, and for that game to end on that interception from him when he's just trying to make a play, that was that was unfortunate because I thought he had been really good, and it's just hard to beat the Chiefs when they let Blake Bell take some snaps and get a few QB sneaks in. That was sweet. Let's go, Blakey. That was cool. A couple of things. Number one. That is exactly why I hate specialists, punters, and kickers. That is exactly why. Everyone plays their guts out for an entire game, and it comes down to a guy dropping the football. The other thing is, you feel bad for Baker. How about you? me? I picked him to win the football game outright, Gabe. Well, it was right there. I, I picked the Chiefs to cover. We both were wrong. The Chiefs won by four. <laughs> so we're both idiots. I So I was actually, I was at my wife's grandparents' house. They do like a monthly thing where everyone that's got a birthday in that month, you like they just get together and they knock everyone's birthday out on that one Sunday. And the, the Chiefs were going for two. They were up four. And I turned to a couple of my, my wife's uncles and I was like, this is significant to some. And they're like what's the line i was like six i was like at least you get a push didn't happen man Ugh. i was really hoping they get it because i could come on and be like uh ah, i didn't lose you lost but i can't even do that ted horrible horrible <sighs> i will say this though the browns are going to be real they are a contender this year oh yeah legitimate contender i expect those teams I would not be surprised if that's your AFC championship game. Yeah. Agreed. I think that is now, once again, it's a long 17 game season. Injuries are going to pile up for everyone in the league. But if those teams can stay relatively healthy, they are, they're going to be there. 
they're definitely yep. going to be there. Okay, but but my my loser of the weekend, it, it's got to be people that don't have the NFL Red Zone channel. I mean, my God, Scott Hansen, he's the best, and all all the early slate of games start at a couple minutes in. Ted, he goes octabox eight games at once, just throws them up there. Well, I, I needed a moment. I was, I'm a loser because I don't have. I what? have the. I have the Direct TV version, which is not the Hanson version. The other guy is okay. You but have Siciliano. Near, yeah, he's not nearly as good as Hanson. Hanson is is so much better. Oh, um, and all I got out of it was a hashtag quad box. You know, pretty pathetic. Dude, but I, you're I, right. For one guy, the it, he calls eight hours of football nonstop with no breaks. It is amazing. Is you think he's wearing a diaper? I I just wonder what his caffeine consumption is. He's probably got or if he's IV. or if he's got something a little stronger going on. <laughs> he may. He may. It's great though. I'm, I'm with you. You, I typically have red zone up and whatever game I want to watch up, but today I was all red zone and you feel like you, you watched every game, even though you only saw bits and pieces of it. You still feel like you watched every game. It's awesome. Dude. There was, there was an eight boxer for the early slate. There was a five boxer for the late slate. I mean, they had in the early games, they had that crazy San Francisco Detroit finish going on the same time that Pittsburgh was trying to hold on against Buffalo. And at the same time, Minnesota and Cincinnati were going to overtime. And I was just sitting there like, yes, yes. It's, it's, it seriously is, I you have to give credit to the NFL it's the one thing about college football that it's such a scatter shot and it, it, it's not as commercialized. I understand, but the NFL, it comes down to like that last, like four or five minutes every weekend. It's amazing. The witching amazing. hour. It is. But there was this one sequence in the late slate of games where it's like they were showing a snap of Miami, New England. And then it would go straight to Green Bay, New Orleans. And then it would go to Denver, New York. And then it just went for like 12 straight plays. And it was just like the the games were timed up perfectly to where you could go one snap, they'd flip over, they'd be snapping it, they'd flip over, the other would be snapping it, they'd flip it back. It would be I was sitting there like, oh my God. I like I felt like I needed to take a shower afterwards because I was just like so excited. I'm like I started sweating. I didn't know. I I, I'm not in red zone shape yet, but I'm get, I'm going to get back there. You'll like this. When I lived in Vegas, when I was playing out there, uh, Sunday was our day off. And I can't even remember the name of the casino, but it has a um, like a theater. And on Sunday, they have like a gigantic movie screen in there. And on the movie screen is like the 
the middle portion of like 75% of it is red zone. And then there's the boxes of all the individual games going. That was the first time I was ever introduced to red zone. And they've got like these different bars set up out there and they've got all the different like uh, kiosks to where you go in and put your bets in. It was like the greatest thing ever. It was so cool. That was my first introduction to red zone. It's the best channel in television. I mean, it is, it is the absolute best. If you don't have it, I don't know how much it costs. I, I don't care. It's worth every dollar. Get it. And they don't even sponsor the podcast. They should, but they don't. Not yet, at least. On that note, episode 146 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. OU Nebraska preview. Let's go. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. And you can hear me from 3 to 5 on SiriusXM Big 12 Radio Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Just one.